create a culture early on as a start in a startup and you don't have DNI as a part of um, that culture, you're not really setting the tone for those expectations and those behaviors. And so what kind of culture then do you aspire to be? And how do you want the world to experience you from a branding standpoint, from an employee experience standpoint, from a product standpoint? And so what's the employee value proposition for those you're trying to attract? Um, this likely isn't a surprising data point, but if your team has focused on diversity hiring at all in the past, you've probably realized that um, searching for underrepresented talent demands different strategies. And a lot of, I get a lot of questions from leaders about that. Why would I have to do anything different to attract an underrepresented talent than someone in a majority group? But it's different sources, it's different keywords, it's even a different mindset than you're used to using. So you may need to learn to value non-linear experiences or um, to spot or infer transferable skills or skills acquired in um, non-traditional ways. You might have to employ a distance traveled metric, which takes into account how much harder it is for underrepresented talent um, and that the fact that they may have had to work through different career pathways um, based on privileges that they, we just did not have. My very first job was an administrative assistant. And um, I transitioned from an administrative assistant role into a learning and development role. And then I started a career tra trajectory in human resources. But I had a college degree and my first job at Intel was an administrative assistant. And then I matriculated kind of into tech, but in HR. So while tech giants like Google and Amazon draw most of the attention around their diversity and inclusion efforts, establishing a more diverse workforce doesn't require a large budget or stocked talent pipeline. In fact, it's really critical for startup founders to be thinking about those efforts as early as possible because diversity doesn't just happen. It needs to be intentional in everything that a startup does. So as you're hiring your first few people or calling some really smart folks that you know from other organizations and saying, hey, I've started something great, right? That's what John Foley did when he started Peloton. He said, hey, I'm after being told no quite a bit, hey, I've started something great. And I'd love to bring in folks that I know can really help me bring this business. So when you come along and you say, we wanna focus on diversity, you now have to change the mindset of the first 100 or 200 people that you've hired. And as, as you can imagine, it's hard to course correct 150 people. By then, a culture has already been established and it's become even more difficult to change the habits of everyone in that company. So that's because diversity and inclusion doesn't start with recruitment. It starts with the company leaders making it a part of the office culture and the business goals. So as you're building your footprint, I'm talking to founders now, if you're building your footprint for what you wanna do and, and what this company is gonna stand for, and you're thinking about your mission and vision and values, it starts there. It's not, well, after the first 50 people, I'll hire a recruiter and then we can let the recruiter focus on that. How do you build it into the infrastructure and the, the weave it into every, your, your everyday processes as you're thinking about building um, the, the model and the framework for what the company will be. So invest in diversity and inclusion efforts. Building a diverse team isn't um, just about hiring diverse candidates, as you all know. It's about building a culture that celebrates and supports people from all backgrounds 
and identities. Sourcers and recruiters struggle with communicating their company's um, commitment to DEI sometimes because many of the cues that would be um, able to that we'd be able to point to aren't um, aren't in existence at smaller organizations. Your ERG, your LND, your alert, uh, um, ERGs are employee resource groups. Your learning and development, your measuring employee satisfaction and retention along the demographic lines, bifurcating that information by gender, ethnicity, by LGBT status, by tenure, by generation. Those metrics aren't in place yet. So you have to think about how do I take a really wide view at what it is I'm trying to accomplish and how do I get folks in the door, but how do I uh, very quickly develop some kind of metric system to gauge how I'm doing, right? How am I looking at the top of the funnel and ensuring that I'm bringing people in um, um, right at the top? So expanding the hiring pipeline to include remote candidates is gonna be the new, you know, late 2020, 2021 goal because um, bringing in the remote candidates can also increase opportunities to recruit diverse candidates. And so I'm gonna share just a few metrics with you as I was reading through um, a LinkedIn and Gartner survey recently. This is kind of late breaking research. So as you can imagine, the macro pressures impacting organizations ability to tap into the best talent is becoming um, you know, the norm. And so we have to tap into a broader ecosystem. So due to the rapid digital transformation, the pandemic has forced the adoption of digital tools and innovations and compressed multi-year transformations in just a few months. So last year, we were all scrambling to figure out how can we get you know, all of our folks to work from home. So this is how the tech industry and tech roles were impacted. Full stack front end hiring is now up 25% year over year. UX design is up 20% year over year. Data science hiring is up 46% year over year. AI and machine learning up 32%. 27% of software engineering applications are remote. So we're really moving more into going to where the talent lives versus trying to make the talent move to a hub or uh, to a headquarters, right? Because the talent, the underrepresented talent, we can find those folks in cities that we may not be, our, our establishment, our building may not be in. So women are 26% more likely than men to apply for remote work and black candidates may be almost twice as likely as other candidates to be unwilling to relocate for a position if there's no relocation offered. You wonder why? Well, underrepresented employees have stated that starting over in a new community, and I know that because I've moved to eight different states and each time it was always for a job, some of those cities were tougher to live in than others. Um, so starting over can be jarring, isolating, and even unsafe. And that research again comes from both Gartner and LinkedIn. So then how do we, how do, we do this? How do we build this in? We need to participate and invest in community efforts that support diversity in the tech industry. We need to also be collecting data on internal diversity numbers. So some companies are compiling monthly reports on its diversity numbers to help evaluate progress and hold itself accountable. So who's in the room, right? Who are we hiring? How are we ensuring that um, folks are at the top of the funnel and how are we making sure that we continue to bring people in? Understanding we might not have all the technology and tools that larger organizations may have, but let's invest in some of those. 
So being centered in data, data early is important. And as a tech company, metrics will drive and shape all of your decisions, not only around people, but also processes and technology. So if you're tracking how many women or veterans you're hiring, you can look at which recruitment sources are working and talk to those women or veterans, talk to their managers to see what you can glean from their experiences. Again, if you start small, you can learn and build along the way. So for example, one small tech company I consulted with in the past created an initial goal of the company being 25% women, so start small. And they also wanted to be 25% ethnically diverse. And they reached that in 2017. So then they created a new goal for 35% in 2018 and they reached it. So my understanding their last goal was they were shooting for 50% and they're well on their way. Start small. Many companies, once they get 25 to 50 people, do oftentimes also hire a consultant to help them come up with a short and long-term strategy for attraction, retention, and development. They form committees of five to seven employees to help generate ideas on attraction and recruitment, sourcing strategies, conferences, career fairs, as well as community events. Not only that they should attend, but their founder and leadership team should be speaking at these conferences. It really shows the commitment on behalf of the company into diversity. Um, diverse, diverse hiring, however, will not matter as much if the startup doesn't create the environment where all ideas, backgrounds, and identities can thrive. And that's the inclusion piece of this equation, which is a fundamental, fundamental building block for any culture. If you do not equip the startup with these fundamental elements and fix the internal infrastructure and consider the organizational readiness for difference, no external recruitment strategy will stick. So let's talk a little bit more about the details of recruitment here. Um, there's research that says that if the pipeline to final, the final candidate, isn't made up of 66% or more diverse candidates, then it's likely you'll not hire them. 66% is unheard of. So that means we're, 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 we're very likely reducing the, um, the, the, um, the, What's the word I want? We're reducing the opportunity for underrepresented talent to be hired from the start because most people aren't focused on creating a slate that's 66% diverse. So recruitment is the gatekeeper for this and should use their best judgment when presenting candidates for hire as well as fight for them in the final rounds. So if I'm talking to any recruiters out there and you're presenting underrepresented talent that maybe has non-traditional experience, maybe they've learned from, learned from doing, learned by practice, learned by YouTube videos. I mean, that's, that's going to become the new standard or the new norm. Um, people aren't going out and getting degrees in software engineering anymore. They're teaching themselves. So recruiters are culture ambassadors for your startup, for your organization. And therefore, talent acquisition must be seen as a trusted partner and business advisor. One of the biggest challenges tech startups can face in building diverse teams is finding diverse technical uh, talent to fill their pipelines. But it would be a mistake to use that as an excuse for minimal diversity. And we know there have been some CEOs who have said um, in public that they just can't find the talent. And we've seen what's happened when we speak in, that, in those terms. 
So often it really just means that the company needs to change how it recruits candidates. So just a few tips here. Invest in tools that allow yourselves to search, source, attract, and nurture underrepresented talent at the very top of the funnel. Having a diverse top of funnel, however, won't mean much if you haven't optimized and de-biased your middle and bottom of funnel practices. What's the panel look like? What are you thinking about as far as slates? How have you thought about the questions that you will ask? So for talent leaders to understand their diversity metrics across the entire funnel, certain tools really allow you to get visibility into and report on gender and race ethnicity breakdowns in your pipelines. Um, from reach out, from the, from the point of contact, all the way to the offer. And so making that investment in those, in those tools early will also really aid in your recruitment processes. Sometimes it's just as simple as um, promoting jobs in places where diverse candidates will see them. If you find yourself with an opportunity to set the future growth path for a software development team or an engineering team, ask yourself how you can keep diversity in mind and hiring practices and be intentional about it rather than just taking whoever applies. So diversity in tech Slack groups, meetups, organization pages, newsletters, um, you know, make sure that they have um, a contact person to connect with if they have any questions about the job opening. Invest in community outreach events to not only promote diversity in tech, but also let candidates know that, you're, that you support diverse employees. Those efforts could include partnerships with organizations like the Posse Foundation, really, really great organization, Afrotech, Lesbians in Tech, Half Diversity, and partnerships with your local community and university tech hubs as well. And then there's the interview process. You know, evaluations and interviews can be a festering ground for unconscious bias to creep in and influence who gets the job. We like to hire in like kind. We like people that think like us, speak like us, behave and produce results like we do. So if companies aren't explicit about diversity and what they value in a candidate, it can lead to building a team of people who share similar backgrounds in the interest of culture fit. So creating a structured interview process can keep the focus on the person's work, standardize the evaluation process and mitigate bias, conduct an in-depth 30 minute phone interview about the candidate's experience, solving technical challenges at their job prove, sometimes can prove more valuable than the take home exercises. It gives them the baseline information they need to evaluate a candidate and removes an additional barrier to apply. We also have to be sure that we're keeping the interview focused on the person's ability to do, to do the job, excuse me, brain teasers, and sometimes irrelevant coding challenges can trigger imposter syndrome, and we know that that is real. And it also can increase um, bias in the evaluation process. So let's remove the, you know, remove the bias out of the system. I always use the example of the two musical um, shows, the, the Voice and American Idol. When American Idol came out, it's a talent show, but it's about a singing voice. But the judges were always, oh, you look the part, you look great, you're dressed like a star. So the voice, turning around in the red chairs until, until you're, you, know, you hear the person sing and you only turn around if it's a voice that you like, that, that was the whole point of that was to be debiasing the process, right? 
So organizations are really starting to do this around the candidate experience, around resumes, redacting names, redacting schools, because we all have a mental model of what we think success looks like. We all have a view on, I want my person to come from this school, have worked from this company, and have touched these three types of technology. Well, what if they're great and they can learn that really quickly, but they haven't had all those experiences, okay? So interview process is about finding a person who's a culture add, a culture add, A-D-D, rather than a culture fit. The distinction may sound insignificant, but it reframes the hiring process around bringing someone on who offers a different experience or background to the company rather than someone who might be similar to everyone else. Organizationally, there's no one size fits all solution for building a diverse and inclusive team. Each industry and company's needs are different. However, establishing employee resource groups to create allyships, installing gender neutral bathrooms and running workshops are good places to start. And the reason I mentioned some of these things early, gender neutral bathrooms, imagine erecting a couple of um, brick and mortar buildings and then deciding you're not LGBTQI um, plus inclusive, right? It's kind of late then to say, okay, let me go out and you know now knock down some walls and create some gender neutral bathrooms. So it's something that if you're thinking about it early and really building it into your process and your infrastructure and your architecture, you will be viewed as an inclusive organization, even if it's aspirational that you recognize you need to do it. It's around, it's around the optics. It's around um, being sure that someone sees you as capable of being inclusive and then you acting on it and doing it. So as you think about the workspace and the workforce of the future, there are a few questions you might want to ask yourself. Do I have the right people on my team to build for the future of a diverse global economy? Where am I sourcing my top hires from? And are they sourced from the same hiring network or from a variety of sources? What does a truly diverse culture look like? And how am I holding myself and my executive team accountable for that? If you're a founder or a recruiter or an executive leader in a, in a startup, a couple of questions for you. Make a list of your startup's last five promotions. How diverse do you consider them in terms of gender, ethnicity, and background? Now make a list of your startup's last five hires and ask the same question. If you haven't made enough recent promotions or hires to know, think about your last several town hall meetings and whose efforts you've acknowledged or consider the last handful of raises and bonuses you've distributed. Are you distributing awards and recognition in a way that acknowledges a wide ranging set of contributions? And lastly, think about the last five people to leave your organization. Do you notice any commonality in their circumstances or background? If you see patterns emerging, this gives you a better sense of your starting point and potential areas to prioritize. So in closing, there's no easy hack to building an inclusive team. It's about learning, leveraging, and leaning in. This is hard work, 
I've been trying to personally work my way out of a job for the last 15 years and companies continue to need this role. So that in and of itself tells you how challenging the work can be. It requires talking about it as an opportunity, recognizing where you want to be and doing the hard work of taking action. So I am happy to answer any questions that you might have. Awesome presentation, Dr. Morris. There were a few there were a few people that were asking questions in the chat as, as you were speaking about um, some of the percentages that you mentioned about diversity that you should have in your company. If you could reiterate some of those points again, I know you mentioned maybe 66%. Um, yeah, what I was saying is there's research um, that says that if the pipeline to the final candidate isn't made up of 66% or more of diverse candidates, then it's, it's called a pull through, then it's likely that you'll not hire them because you almost have to have three of five, you know, the, you know, the Rooney rule, right? Everyone's saying, right. oh, need to have that one person on the slate. We're just going to have the one. Well, if you only have one and the other three or four are people that are more similar to you, that one doesn't really stand a chance. Right. So the research says that it has to be 66% to, to really have any of the diverse folks on the slate considered. There has to be almost three of five. Wow. And that's crazy because we know that slates don't typically look like that, right? So that means right. the chances are slim of that pull through. So we have to really be more intentionally focused on it. 